You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, again for the opportunity to come this week. We appreciate you working us in so much. And I was just thinking as we were singing that, you know, it's a lot of people today didn't have food on their table. Their shoes on their feet. Never have had food on their table, hardly. Never had had shoes on their feet. But you know what? We've got so much to thank him for. Yes. And you know, I say this a lot of times. You know, uh, it's not anything wrong with being blessed. And while I'm talking, you can be turning, finding the book of Esther. And, and it's right before Job. And it, it is in the Old Testament, in case anybody don't know that. Amen. <laughs> it's right before the book of Job. Nehemiah. Esther, Job, and I was just thinking as we were singing there, a lot of people don't have those things, and there's nothing wrong with being blessed, not a thing wrong with being blessed. The blessings come from the Lord, but what there is something wrong with is not being thankful for those blessings, amen, that's, I believe that borderline wickedness, amen, you know, to not, matter of fact, they say, and this is not the message, I'm just going to give you this, this won't, as they say, all the preachers say this, this won't cost you any extra, although we don't charge anything anyway, but, uh, you know, uh, they say in the last, the Bible says in the last days, men will be ungrateful for the blessings, and I don't want to be that, amen, but that's going to be the majority, thank you, ma'am, thank you so much. Amen. She knew I needed that. Amen. <laughs> Lord knew I needed it, that's for sure. The book of Esther, if you would turn, stand with me as we read just a few verses here. I'm actually going to preach the first four chapters. But I'll probably be done with the first three in the first ten minutes. So don't worry about that too much, okay? But we're going to start off here in Esther chapter 4. We'll begin reading in verse 14 of chapter 4. And this is, uh, this is actually, let's go back up to verse 13, excuse me. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in, in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And I want to preach on for just a little bit this evening on a great and urgent prayer request. A prayer request, an urgent prayer request. And the reason why I believe the Lord led me in this direction, because Wednesday night is usually known as prayer meeting night, isn't it? And I know a lot of times you meet thinking, you know, that's time we get together to pray. I know most of the time we have prayer meeting. But I believe if we need a revival of anything in these days, we need a revival of prayer. Yes. Probably more than anything. I know I need a revival in prayer in my life. I need to pray. I believe I have prayed more in these last several months than I have my whole entire life. But I could use some improvement. Yeah. And I believe all of us, if we're honest with ourselves and with God, we could all use some improvement in our prayer life. So I see in these verses where Mordecai is giving Esther an urgent prayer request. Y'all pray with me for me. Lord, I do thank you so much for the opportunity to preach, God. I pray that you touch these lips of clay. 
Lord, may we say exactly what you'd have us to say. Lord, you put us here, Lord, and I know you're going to help us. And we ask it in your precious name, the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And as I mentioned, we're going we're gonna to start in chapter 1. I'm not going to read anything, just kind of give you an overview of what's going on in the chapter so you kind of bring you up to date. It might have been a while since some of you read the book of Esther, but uh, if you're reading through the scriptures, if you're doing your yearly Bible reading, you're probably getting close to the book of Esther. So maybe this will help you look at it in a different light than you ever have. But chapter 1 is talking mainly about King Ahasuerus. He was probably the, uh, not probably, the, but the most powerful man in those days in all the world. Ahasuerus, King Ahasuerus. He was over the Medes and the Persians, but that was, they were in power. It's sort of like the way the Romans were years later. But Ahasuerus was a strong man, was a powerful man. He can get about whatever he wanted to get done. If he wanted to get, to get done, he could get it done. And that's the, basically, I, I believe, the kind of the, the theme of chapter 1 is telling about Ahasuerus and his power. And then we come to chapter 2, and we're in uh, uh, introduced to two people that's very important in this chapter, in this book of Esther. Their names are Esther and Mordecai. First, we are introduced to Mordecai. Mordecai was sort of like the second, one of the second-hand men under Ahasuerus. He was sort of one of the, uh, I guess you could call him a colonel, maybe, in the, in the, uh, the army of Ahasuerus. And he was way up in sort of power, I guess you could say. And, uh, but he had a little cousin. And I say it's a little. She's a grown woman by this time. Esther. Esther. But she probably was a, a very young woman. But she was Mordecai's more like a, a child to Mordecai. He just kind of took her under his wings and just kind of raised her up. Because she had lost her mom and dad in the captivity of, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. So Esther, the chapter 2, we are introduced to Esther, and, uh, and then we come to chapter 3. Now, chapter 3 is mainly concerned with this man named Haman. Many of you probably remember him. He was, Haman was, the Bible says, he was an Agagite. <laughs> that was his tribe. That was the place where he was from, Agagite. Boy, that just sounds bad, doesn't it? That having that name, I, I wouldn't want to be known as being from the Agagites. Amen. It just don't sound impressive. But that, that, but that kind of fit Haman. That kind of fit his personality. He's just kind of, if you pardon the expression, he was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> he was a very wicked man. But one of the, his greatest faults is that he hated the Jews. Yeah. And I, I want to say this, throw this in right here. Anybody hates the Jews, they got it coming to them somewhere along the line. It don't matter who they are or where they are in power. You go back and you look at different people. I guess probably Haman was one of the first ones. It was an illustration of some what happens to somebody that hates the Jews. And then later on we see a man named Herod that hated the Jews, wanted all the babies killed. And then we see, uh, and then we see later on in life we see. In, in our history, we see, see where Hitler hated the Jews. And you know what happened to him? My friend, I want to say to you, you don't mess with God's people. Right. They are still God's people, the Jews. Right. Yes, you say, Brother Brady, are they perfect people? By no means. 
But God chose them as a nation to be his chosen people. And he's, he's, he promised Abraham, says, I will bless them. Listen to this. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. He says, I will bless them that bless you. Talking about Abraham's seed, his, his lineage. He says, I'll bless them that bless you, and I'll curse them that curse you. And that still holds true, my friend. You, you mark it in your book. God's going to look out for his chosen people. So the day, I said all that to say this, the day that America turns against Israel, yeah. we're really going down the tube. That's right. That's one, I, can I say this? Well, I won't say, can I say it? Because I'm going to say it anyway. I, I know your pastor don't mind me saying this, but that's, right. that's one thing I appreciated the, about the past administration. They showed uh, kindness to the Jews. And that, that's going to be true. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of yet to be seen what's going to happen with this one. But I say the day we turn against Israel is the day we're going down. Yeah. We're going down. Man, my friend, we will have a curse on us that nothing can take it away. I know America is, is a sinful nation. I, I believe we're involved in a lot of things we shouldn't be involved in. But that will be the topping on the cake yeah. for us going down. Amen. That will be the... The, the needle in the haystack that will take us on the rest of the way down uh, the wrong way. But uh, going back to Haman, he was a wicked man. And then, as you see, we had several people in our history that's hated the Jews. But Haman, he hated the Jews, but more than that, he hated Mordecai. He hated Mordecai. And come to find out, Mordecai was a Jew, full-blooded Jew. Man, he started off wrong. You know why he didn't like Mordecai? It's because Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. Yeah. Mordecai was one of those that didn't like bowing to people. Mm. <laughs> Reminds you of anybody else? I hope it does. But I, I tell you, we should only bow to our Lord and Savior, Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I bow at the cross. Yes. Amen. And I salute the flag. I Amen. Salute that's that's right. right there. Right. <laughs> but Mordecai was one of them stubborn guys like some of us. That says, I ain't going to bend, I ain't going to bow, I ain't going to burn. <laughs> and uh, because he wouldn't bow, he wouldn't bow to who? Haman. See, Haman was put in second command by Hazarus. And uh, Haman, when he got, what is he's like a lot of people, that power, a little bit of power went straight to his head. Went straight to his head. You give some people a little bit of power, boy, they go crazy with it. Right. And he had a few people bowing to him, and he thought, it says, everybody's bowing to him except for this Jew, this Mordecai. He's not bowing to me, so I'm going to do something to make him bow. I'm going to punish him. And he devises this plan, and he somehow or another, now I forgot to mention of this, in the process of these first three chapters, Esther becomes the queen. I forgot to tell you that. That's really important. <laughs> Esther becomes the queen. Well, Haman has it out for Mordecai, never understanding or realizing that the queen is also a Jew. Boy, he messed up real bad right there. But Mordecai, boy, he had it in for Mordecai. He's going he's to do away with Mordecai. And not, it wasn't going to be just enough to do away with Mordecai. He's going to do away with Mordecai and all of his people, the Jews. He's going to wipe them out. He's going to get rid of them for, for sure. But all the time, not realizing that Esther, the queen, was a Jew herself. So that brings us to chapter 4. And let me say one more thing about that, that thing that he devised, Haman. 
He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang. I'm going to end up hanging Mordecai. That's what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to get rid of all the Jews. And, the, and, the, and he made this proclamation. It went uh, throughout the whole land of Shushan. That's where they lived, the place called Shushan. So everybody that was a Jew was totally upset. You can understand why, because they were going to be murdered. They were going to be massacred, wiped out. And uh, so that's what they had. They were all upset. And uh, Mordecai was upset. And that brings us to chapter 4. And so we're going to be, pick up reading some in chapter 4. Matter of fact, we won't read as much as I'd planned on. But we'll, we'll start with chapter 4 and just begin reading verse 1. When Mordecai perceived, are you there? Say amen, church. Amen. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry. Why was he crying with a bitter cry? He is about to be murdered. And not only him was he concerned about, but all of his people because of him. I guess he, he felt a lot of responsibility yeah. that all of his people was going to be wiped out because of this uh, man named Haman. Verse 2, And came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was a great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Let me stop in and ask why. Because they were all going to be killed, murdered. Reading on in verse 4. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she, went, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Notice with me verse 5. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. I want to entitle this first part of this chapter, The Appalling Situation. Uh, Mordecai is trying to bring across to all the people and to Esther this, this, I call it an appalling situation. What was the situation? All of his people, including him, was going to be killed. <clears throat> And I want to say to you tonight, my friend, I believe this is a good picture of the situation that we are in in our country, in this world, and more importantly, in the church. We are in a, an appalling situation. It seems like a lot of people are not really interested in church anymore. You know, you got a handful, and, and, I, and I'll just go ahead and say this, that, you know, a lot of people quit coming because of the virus, and, and that's not so bad in itself, but a lot of people that weren't ever weren't coming during the virus, which we still have, I understand that, but none of them, a lot of them had come back. That's what's, that's what's sad, that's what's appalling about the situation. About 20, pastors are telling me, Brother Jesse, that about 20 to 30 percent of the people that quit coming are not coming back. You know, I can understand why a lot of people are not being faithful during the the hard times. I understand that. But my friend, is some, at one point or another, you've got to make a decision. You're going to take what God wants you to do more importantly. Yeah, let me throw this in right here. God's more important, God's more interested in our spiritual well-being than he is our physical well-being. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes. I, I can prove that because Jesus said it this way. He says, if your hand offends you, 
it'd be better for you to cut it off. And what he was saying in those verses, he says, if, if, if your hand of the things you like doing um, in this world is going to keep you from wanting to get saved, you'd be better off to cut your hands off. That, that may sound a little rough to some of you, but that's just what Jesus said. And he it went, in, went in farther to say this. It says, if you, I offend you, things that you want to look at, things that you desire in this world, things that you see with your eyes, if you don't want to give those things up, if, you, if that's keeping you from wanting to get saved, you'd be better to pluck your own eye out. That's proof right there that I, why I just said that Jesus is more interested in your spiritual well-being than he is your physical well-being. Sure. It'd be better to go to it'd be better to go to heaven, and of course you know we get a new body. But it'd be better to go to heaven with just one eye and one hand than to go to hell with everything. Yeah. Right. Amen. Okay, that's not the message, but I feel like I need to throw that in there right there. But the, but I say to you, the situation we need to realize is an appalling situation. <coughs> Excuse me. And the, something else I want you to notice what Esther said and, and or what the Bible says about Esther. Uh, the Bible says in the last part of verse 5, she, Mordecai says, Mordecai, to know what it was and why it was. In other words, Esther didn't know anything about the proclamation. She didn't know anything about the fact that all of her people were going to be killed. And that reminds me of the church today. It seems like a lot of people in our churches don't understand the, the appalling situation, the bad situation that we're in, that we need revival, my friend. Amen. We need revival in, in our lands. And, some, and I believe a lot of people don't understand that our inner churches don't realize how bad a situation our lost loved ones are in, yeah. that they need to be saved. We don't have much of a burden for the lost loved ones anymore, it seems like. You used to have people that come to the altar every service to pray for somebody that was on their heart. Yeah. And you don't see that anymore. And, and, and before you think I'm being critical, I, I'm preaching to myself, as they say. And I really am preaching to myself. I, I don't have the concern for lost loved ones like I should. All, although I do try to pray every day. I mention certain people. I've got about seven or eight Sometimes 10 different people that I pray for to get saved, I pray for them every day. Amen. But God, I, I need a, uh, more of a burden for those lost people. The Bible says there in Re Revelation, I believe it's chapter 21, in verse 4, it says that, that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And who is he talking about? He's talking about the saved people that's going to heaven. That God shall wipe away every tear. There shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more pain. No sickness. For the former things will be passed away. And everything will be new. Praise God. Amen. But you know what? Before I believe there would be a time of no sorrow. God's going to have to wipe not only our tears. But the remembrance of people that didn't make it to heaven. Yes. I, know, I know I don't think I could enjoy heaven like God wants me to realize that I had loved ones mm. that were at that moment burning yeah. in hell. Yeah. I believe just uh, sometime or another in, in, in that, during that time I believe God is not only going to wipe away tears from our eyes but he's going to wipe away memories yeah. 
of people that didn't get saved. You know what that tells me, child of God? If you're going to cry for your loved ones, you need to cry now for them. Yeah. If you're going to be burdened for them, you need to be burdened for them now. And have a burden for them and pray for them and, and cry and bring their names up to God every day. Because guess what? Most of us that are saved here tonight would not be saved if there wasn't somebody to pray for them. Amen. But you just don't see that much anymore. Anybody had a burden. I know my mom and dad had a burden for me. I can remember just like it was yesterday, my mom, my mom coming in my room. I don't know if I'd been a bad boy that day, but, but she come in and says, uh, talk to me and my brother says, I just want to make sure y'all are saved. Are y'all really saved? That's why she asked me. I'd already uh, gotten saved, but I guess I wasn't acting too saved. <laughs> but she had that burden to make sure that we were on our way to heaven. Amen. Do we have that kind of burden? For our lost loved ones, like we used to see in the old times, I believe. I believe that's to where I believe we're sort of like Esther. We don't understand the appalling situation. Right. Then I want you to see uh, the access to the Savior. Mordecai mentions to to to, uh, to Esther says, "We need you to go to go and talk to the king about this situation." And then Esther responds to, in verse 10, and she says, And again, Esther spake unto Atak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's service and all the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king and to the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his, of his to put him to death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. In other words, Mordecai is saying to Esther, says, listen, you're the king. Or excuse me, you're the queen, sweetheart. <laughs> we need you to help us. We need you to go before the king. But Esther responds here. She says, it's not as easy as you think may think it is, Mordecai, because... <laughs> it's not as easy as you think it is because, you see, unless somebody's been asked to come into the inner court to see the king, unless the king extends his scepter to make it okay, that person can be taken out. And she says, I, yeah, I am the queen, but he hasn't asked me to come in, so I'm, I'm risking my life, you see, to go before the king. Let me say to you tonight, my friend, child of God, there's no risk for us right. to go before our king. <laughs> we have free access to the throne of God. Amen. Amen. The scepter has already been extended. Right. And the Lord is saying to us that are saved, let us therefore come boldly Amen. to the throne of grace. Amen. He's saying to us, come on in. Come on in. It's already been made clear. I like illustrating this this way. We have an alarm system at our home. You might say, Brother Brady, are you scared to go home without an alarm system? Well, it's like this. I don't like any surprises. <laughs> you know, I want to know, if we've been gone, a lot of times we come in at 2 or 3 o'clock in the middle of the night. And I want to know if somebody's already beat me there, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
And uh, so I, I, we'll pull up in the yard and realize the alarm's gone off and my sweet family and sweet wife, they'll say to me, listen, you need to go in there and check everything out. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they want me to do? They want me to clear the way. And you know what? I'll go in there brave, or looking brave anyway, trying to be brave. But I will say this. Most of the time I don't go alone. i got about 357 friends with me. <laughs> They're all named Smith and Wesson. <laughs> but you know what? My, my job is to, is to clear the ways for my family. I want to say about 2,000 years ago, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed his blood on the cross. And he took that precious blood, more powerful than a 357. Matter of fact, it's more powerful than anything in the universe. It's his precious blood. He took that blood into the throne room of grace. And the Father looked at it and he says, I'm satisfied with this sacrifice. And you know what that did for you and me, child of God? That has cleared the way so that you and I that are saved, notice I say for those of us that are saved, we're the only ones that have access to that throne. Because yes. Yes. we're washed in that blood. Amen. And, and, that, and that verse that I quoted a minute ago, let us therefore come boldly, that let us, that us in that verse, is us that are saved. Yeah. Yeah. Are you born again? My friend, listen, if, I, if, I went, if there wasn't a hell, and I know there is a hell, I would still get saved just so I could have access to the throne of God. Yes. And be able to talk to God Amen. in heaven. Amen. And you have that access tonight. But how much, how often do we take it for granted? Right. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, the song says. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry. And we talked about this a while ago. Everything yes. <laughs> to God in prayer. Amen. You say, well, is it, is it big enough for me to take to God? You ever think about this? Everything with God's. Not big. That's right. <laughs> Everything with God small. The biggest burden you got is still small with God. So I think I'll just bring everything. Amen. I just think I'll do what he says. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be not made home unto God. Amen. We have complete, full. Get this child of God. If you don't get anything else tonight, let me remind you. You've got full access to the throne of God. God is extending his, has already extended his scepter out and said, let us come boldly. You can come boldly to his throne of grace. My friend, we've got our, our most powerful weapon that we have, we don't use near as much as we should. And that's the prayer, that's the power in prayer. My friend, and I, I pray for y'all. I try to pray for you, you and your pastor every day. I try to pray for you. And that's what keeps us going. That's right. Amen. I have a lot of people tell me, he says, Brother Bray, we pray for you. I say, listen, that's the best thing you could ever do for me. That's the best thing you could do for me and my family. We would not, I would not be here standing here right now if it hadn't been for God's people praying for me. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. So I'm saying to you tonight, pray. Pray. Take advantage of that access you have to the Savior. And then Mordecai, and I'm closing up tonight with the last thought. Not only do I see the appalling situation, the, the access that we have to the Savior, but I want you to see the appeal to the saints. Mordecai, 
I'm going to be, I'm going to play Mordecai for just a little bit. <laughs> That's a good person to be, I think. If you're going to choose anybody you want to be, Mordecai's a good one. Mordecai made this appeal to Esther. And I want to make the appeal to you tonight. And I hope your response will be like Esther's. And we'll read it in just a moment. But picking up in verse, in verse uh, 12. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all these Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house, notice this, his appeal is saying this to Esther, listen, not only are we going to be wiped out, but they're going to find out you're a Jew, and you're going to be wiped out. And that's the appeal that he was making. And I will say to you tonight, child of God, it's going to affect you personally if you don't pray to God. If, you don't start, if we don't start praying to God like we should, you're going to have some everlasting effects on you. And not only, and notice, he go, she goes on, he goes on to say, in thy father's house, not only is it going to affect us personally, but it's going to affect our children and our children's children. I've got some of those now. Yeah. I'll see me after church and I'll tell you about them. Amen. <laughs> but if we don't get to pray, if we don't get down on our knees, it's going to affect them. It's going to have an everlasting. Some of them might not even get saved. I'm one of those people that still believes that people have a will to get saved or not. Amen. And, Amen. and uh, you know, you're not going to convince me that God's going to pick out some to be saved and some not to be saved. That's life out of hell. Yeah. Amen. That's, that's straight out of hell if you ask right. me. God is not willing. How, how much more plain can you get than, than God's not willing that any should perish? Yeah. Right? But that all should come, come to repentance. Let me ask you, what's your will? Is it your will for your loved ones to be saved? God's given you a will. Are you going to pray for them? Or are we not going to pray for them? Yeah, God had foreknowledge. He, he knows who's going to get saved. But he also knows, think about this. Now, this is real deep. This is probably as deep as I'll get. God knows if you're going to pray for them or not too. God, God already knows how serious you're going to take this, what I'm preaching tonight. God, God knows how you're going to respond. He, he didn't predetermine how you're going to respond, but he knows how you're going to respond. And I want my response to be right. I want my response to be like Esther's, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. She, he reads, he says on in verse 14, says, But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let me pause and say this, church, Elk Point Baptist Church. We are put here for such a time as this. Yes, yes. yes, we are living in some appalling situations yeah. in our country and in our families and in our, with our lost loved ones. God has put us here for such a time as this. Amen. What are we going to do with it? Yes. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do with our, our opportunity? And that's what I like to think of it as is a great opportunity. That's right. Not only a great opportunity, but a great responsibility. Okay, we're finishing up the message, and somebody say amen. <laughs> you don't have to right there. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it won't hurt my feelings if you don't say amen. <laughs> amen. Verse 15. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. And church, I hope you'll, you'll answer in this way. It says, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go in unto the king which is not according to the law. And she says, if I perish, I perish. Yeah. Yeah. That makes cold chills go over me. Yeah, because you know why? She, it, it affects me that way. It's because she was willing to sacrifice her own life to do what she knew was supposed to be done. Amen. And what do we have to sacrifice? A little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of time. Got the sacrifice that I've already mentioned. The sacrifice has already been done. Amen. But I will say this. If we don't start sacrificing some time in prayer, it may go farther. We might have to do like Esther. We might have to sacrifice or put up our whole life. We, we might, that might be a question if we don't start praying and getting a hold of God. And that's my urgent prayer request to you tonight is come to God in prayer in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. 